0: Hello, this is Jesse Weiler for Adorama's Bulletin. In this episode, we speak with Alexis Katarna, who recently wrote an article titled Sing a New and Ever-Ancient Song to the Lord, Introducing the Divine Office Hymnal. This is a great article about the upcoming release of the Divine Office Hymnal, and Alexis goes into great detail about that upcoming project. Alexis has a Master of Arts in Liturgy degree from the Liturgical Institute and is a current PhD candidate in liturgical studies with a concentration in church music at the University of Vienna. Without further ado, another Adoramus interview. Hi Alexis, how are you doing?
1: I'm great, Jesse, how are you?
0: I'm doing great. Uh, you know, this article that you wrote for Adoramus is, is uh, so great and it's such a a great representation, and it's great information on something up and coming in the church that we've been waiting for, I would say, for decades, uh, which is this these, these this new hymnal for the Liturgy of the Hours, and then hopefully leading into the, the new translation of the Liturgy of the Hours as well. So first, uh, just a little background information. Why is this so momentous, and how come it has taken so long to get done? Well,
1: this is momentous because with the publication of this hymnal in particular, um, this represents the first step to having the complete Liturgy of the Hours available in English for the first time. Now that might sound um, like a, a kind of a crazy statement, right? That uh, our the Liturgy of the Hours we know, hasn't it all been in English for 50 years already? Haven't we already had a translation of this? But this is actually the first time that the whole body of hymns from the Latin has been translated into English. And so in the previous edition of the Liturgy of the Hours, uh, we have had many hymns already in the book. Um, if you're used to praying the Liturgy of the Hours, uh, whether you use a you know a hard copy or you, you scroll through an app, um, this is, you would have seen you would have seen uh, several hymns in the Liturgy of the Hours. Um, Unfortunately, those weren't all translations of hymns from the Latin previously, partly because it was just simply a big project to do. And so uh, a group was put together first to work on the translations of the hymn texts. Uh, There are 294 of them, actually. So 294 Latin hymn texts. A group was put together, an international group working on the translation of the texts from the Latin. Uh, from different areas uh, and representing the work of uh, some particular communities of religious sisters. And then after that, an international group of musicians was put together to assist in making sure that we can fit those, those texts, those Latin hymn texts now translated into English, onto melodies that were representative of the hymn tradition of the church. So each of those 294 texts also had their own, what we would call plain song melody or a Gregorian chant melody. Um, not all unique melodies, some of them were repeated, um, but the goal was to make that available for the English speaking world. And so this is, this is a momentous project because once the rest of the office is published, which will be soon now, actually sooner than later, not just in five years and five years and five years, um, we will finally have the whole of the office available for the English speaking world.
0: So I find this process incredibly interesting. And in, in, in we talk about uh, music as, you know, elevated text. And so text has primacy. And I love that in this process, that's how they started. They didn't start with the melodies and then try to jam the text in there. So t- tell me a little bit about that process and, and how there's something very uh, sacred and theological about that.
1: Absolutely. So one of the the essences of Gregorian chant, which is the the music of the Roman church, right, uh, is that it arose out of the text over time. So these melodies uh, were not, you know, the result of a composer saying, oh, here's a cool tune. I'm going to write it down and then let's find some words that go with it. Oh, yeah. Here are these lyrics fit. Uh, It's not that kind of process. Right. Uh, The process was we have these texts. Um, that we've inherited. A lot of times the texts were already written, not all of them, but many times. Um, And like scriptural texts, for instance. And then we cantillated for a while. So cantillation is a kind of, you know, in German you'd say sprechstimme, right? This sung speech. Um, and so a sung speech, you hear a lot in mass if you hear the priest singing his parts, right? So, you know, you could sing a sentence like this and go down at the end, you know, and sometimes we add more notes with that, you know? Um, and so it kind of starts to, to uh, ornament the underlying structure. So you hear in the music, the grammatical structure of the text. Uh, You hear a a tracing of accent patterns and other things. And so it actually serves to clarify the underlying meaning of the text. And so over time, that ornamentation became more and more rich, decoration added to it, especially as the Roman liturgy is married to uh, this Gallican tradition, we end up with this kind of Frankish Roman chant uh, that today we call Gregorian chant. And its essence is that it is the melody that has flowered forth from the word and so one of the beautiful aspects of this particular hymnal is that uh the the melodies you know so the melodies are written to correspond with the latin text right um one of the difficulties then is when you take english and you put it where latin used to be the accent patterns can fall in different places so this posed a, tr- a particular challenge to both the translation uh, and to the setting of these these particular texts with these melodies, um, and so one the translation was done you know in a certain sense to try to achieve a similar accent pattern um, so that is true, um, but also there are places where the melody you know in some certain cases might need to be just barely slightly altered uh, for the English to fit a little bit better, uh, you know, kind of to correspond with the same idea that it had in the Latin, but now we have the structure of the English language. And so the, the term that the committee used, and so it's present in the foreword of this hymnal, and it's actually also present in the, in the copyright notice for the hymnal, which I think is interesting, is the term eased plain song or eased melodies. Um, so we've just made them, you know, we've, we've just kind of slightly massaged the melody in a few places so that the Gregorian tune that was, um, you know, present in tradition for perhaps a thousand years is just able to slightly, um, slightly altered to be able to express the English a little bit better. So that term eased plain song is a new term, actually, um, in, in the, the uh, description of the chants of the church.
0: Yeah. When I was reading this article and listening to kind of the explanation of all of this or reading it, um, I think the example that really comes to mind, I think most people will be able to understand is the, the tantam ergo in Latin versus English, because because we wanted to make it rhyme and sound good and all that stuff. So is that a really good translation or was it really just really well fit into this the rhyming scheme and the pattern of the music? And so I think that's probably a really good example of how people are trying to process all of this. Now this, this hymnal is actually offered in, in two flavors, so to speak. Could you uh, break that down a little bit for us?
1: Yes. And so this is a beautiful foresight of the music committee, um, which is headed by Monsignor Andrew Wadsworth, who is the um, chairman of the international commission on English and the liturgy. Um, And the, um, his foresight the group's foresight was, Hey, a lot of people who are using this book whether they're priests or religious or seminarians or the laity might not not know these gregorian melodies and we can really want them to learn them i want everybody to learn them right um but what if we also presented these texts with uh, an equivalent metrical hymn tune that you might already know so maybe you don't know um uh, like a long meter chant, like creator of the stars of night. But maybe you do know the old 100th, which is the tune from all people that on earth do well. Right. And so maybe, hey, maybe, you know, that tune. And so that you, you know, that this is a long meter text. We could talk about what meter is, um, but that you have the same number of syllables in each line. Um, well, Hey, I know this familiar hymn tune. And so it makes it easier for me me to actually utilize this book and not replace this beautiful hymn text that represents the treasury of the church's tradition with just another equivalent hymn um, that we really are are, are praying the universal uh, liturgy of the hours in the Roman rite at that moment. So each page, you'll you'll see if you open up the book, that each uh, hymn has facing pages. So on the right is the Gregorian melody, uh, often from taken from what's called the Liber Hymnarius, and then on the left is a, a hymn tune, a metrical hymn tune. So it might be a more common kind of English or German um, type of hymn. And they're facing each other. So that's kind of a, a neat gift: is you can you can make the decision at them in that moment. Oh, which one do I know, or which one do I want to learn? Um, and I think that makes this book very versatile, which is a beautiful gift then to the church.
0: I understand in your article that there was some internal debate as to whether or not to have two separate hymnals but I do like this solution for the reasons that you stated but also additionally whenever you go to a a mass with uh, that is heavy in latin they'll distribute those uh you know uh worship aids or missiles or whatever that have the latin on one side and the english on the other and so to me there's just kind of like a uh, comfort there of like oh that sounds familiar to me where I kind of have both of those things there for me for my reference and I think that does like you said that will help people be able to ease into both of those whichever one they they uh, struggle with it will help them with so I think that's great uh, one of the the things that you, we haven't really heard a lot about and I think this this was probably true but I'd love to hear your insight is how this uh, momentous occurrence of not only these these hymns but then also the new translation of the liturgy of the hours is going to impact just your your average parish in terms of maybe a renewal in the liturgy of the hours but then also the the mass itself because i think they're so intertwined in the language and what we're doing and and the intentionality there how do you think that's going to impact the, the church's liturgy across the states i think
1: that the availability of these books, these texts, even their availability uh, in terms of some of the online resources, right? Like like that you could um, put images of these hymns in a worship aid that there's permissions for that um, on the GIA, uh, the one license uh, copyright permissions, um, puts these into the hands of the people, right? Uh, so all of this conversation discussion around the Liturgy of the hours hopefully activates something. It, maybe it's a curiosity that says, oh, what is this part of the Liturgy of the church? I thought liturgy was just mass. Um, and this represents an opportunity then for us to say, hey, the liturgy is so much bigger than the mass. Of course it's its high point, right? Uh, is the celebration of of the holy sacrifice of the mass, but that it this flows out. It's prepared for and then flows out into the entire rest of the day. So this concept of praying without ceasing I think is something that the laity are, are yearning for. You see a renewal in conversations about how can I celebrate the aspects of the liturgy in my domestic church? Uh, what am I doing at home with my family? How can I get ready for mass? Um, you can do that of course by, by looking at the readings ahead of time and meditating upon them. But there's actually a a liturgy in the church's tradition uh, that takes up the whole of the day and the night. You don't have to get up in the middle of the night to do it, but could take up the whole of the day and the night to extend the celebration of the liturgy throughout the rest of the day. And it's a beautiful gift that we can unite ourselves with that celebration of the liturgy throughout the world. So I like to tell uh, my students that you know, if we when we're praying vespers tonight, we're praying the same thing that Pope Francis prayed, you know, eight hours ago or something here, um, and that we're united not only throughout the world and across different languages, but also through time. And this is this is one of the places I think that this hymnal is a particular gift uh, that I hope to see active in the parish. Is that we have now um, a clear connection or another clear connection uh, with the treasury of the church's tradition. And so having a, a physical hymnal, uh, you know, the, the permanence of the word uh, is, is a beautiful gift for people in their parishes, but also that this will be available in various electronic formats um, makes it really accessible for the world. And I, I can't wait to see what what's possible then in the parish uh, with this accessibility.
0: My last question, uh, since you you know you have your pulse on you know the the status of sacred music in the church today, and I think there's a specific question about how this is going to impact sacred music in the church too. So now we have access to all of these hymns that theoretically could be used to fill in gaps where we might not have a, a communion antiphon or things like that. So how will this start to impact the the state of sacred music in the church?
1: My hope is that it continues to elevate our understanding of music in the liturgy. Uh, that the music is intimately and integrally connected to the rest of the mass. You know, at, the offertory is not some kind of scene change, right? Some incidental music in the background while we're going from Act One to Act Two uh, of the mass, but that it's intimately connected uh, with the action of the sacred liturgy, right? The, the offering that's happening at that moment, and so. By having by having a book like this, I think there's an interesting choice actually, I should mention uh, that the editors made and that was to present the chant in round notes. So instead of using a square notes on a four line staff, which might be a notation that some people are less familiar with or that even turns them off if they think, oh, I don't know how to read those squares. Um, I'm so I'm going to avoid this hymn or avoid that collection even, which would be really sad. That they presented these hymn texts set with modern stemless round notes. And so I think there's um, there's a piece here that says no 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 this is for everyone right. This is not some specialized you know gnostic chant that <laughs> that only certain people have access to. This is really for everyone, and it says to us that the tr- musical tradition of the universal church is something for all for us all. Uh, And my hope is that that accessibility, the availability and um, readability, if you want to say it that way, of the notation um, really contributes to that renewal, that understanding that um, we have this great gift in the church's musical tradition that's that's for all of us and to deepen then our entry into the sacred liturgy.
0: I, I tend to agree. I think only good can come from this and in, in this wonderful restoration process, as it's, as you uh, call it in your article. So Alexis, thank you so much for your time. What a great article. And uh, we cannot wait to to see some of these things. And especially for the, you know, the, the full liturgy, the hour translation to come out soon. Like you said, it's been five years, five years, five years, but now uh, it's becoming more and more of a reality. So thank you again for your time.
1: Thank you so much, Jesse.